Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster. Each and every week, I'm joined by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. Each and every week, we say wrestling cannot and surely will not get more bonkers than it has been the week before. And yet it has. It was always going to take a lot for us not to start with Clash at the Castle this week. But Charlie, I think we found that thing that changes it round. What what has 24 hours? What, what is going on? Literally to the point where you sent me the running order at about 9pm last night, 8pm last night. And then Jack, this morning, just with logged on, has gone, by the way, I've thrown the running order out. Let's just go for it. An absolutely unbelievable week of wrestling, including WWE's first premium live event in the UK for 30 years. Surprise returns to both AEW and to WWE, but so much going on. We actually threw this one out on social media to see what you wanted us to start with. And 58% of you wanted us to start with CM Punk's AEW shoot promo. That was before events on Dynamite on Wednesday. We now know that CM Punk has been suspended. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have been suspended. There are rumors that CM Punk could be leaving AEW. He has been stripped of the world title that he won at All Out. The Elite have been stripped of the Trios Championship that they won at All Out. I don't even know where to start, Charlie. What's he doing? What is he doing? I am... So confused. I, I just don't, I don't get it because no one asked him about Colt Cabana. No one asked him about Hangman Page. No one asked him about any of the things he went on this rant about. No one asked him about the EVPs that he then went on this tirade, foul-languaged, just Shakespearean rant about in the media scrum after. When all he should have been talking about is having his title back and winning the title and I don't know what he's so angry about. I just, I, I'm, this doesn't happen often. I'm lost for words on it because I'm so confused. Because of course the Bucks and Kenny, everyone's going to have issues with it backstage. And these are testosterone fueled alpha males. Unfortunately, the way they, in a combat sport, the way they settle their disagreements is through fights, which you can't, you can't do in, in 2020. That's not how the world works. So Tony Khan's hands were tied really, but, what? I don't understand. For those who've been living under a rock and are coming to this or come to our podcast. If you're week, listening to this podcast and don't know what's gone on, I would be surprised. But let's just for those who may be new to it, who haven't seen what's happened, and let's try to apply a bit of journalistic rigor to this. What we know is, as Charlie says, there was an expletive laden promo between by CM Punk that wasn't really a promo. It was just him venting his spleen after All Out, where he beat John Moxley to win the world title back. In that, he blamed EVPs for leaking information to the media. He went on a long conversation about Colt Cabana and his former friendship, and he really unloaded on Hangman Adam Page as well. After that, something happened backstage. There are disputed narratives of exactly what's gone on, but some sort of fight between Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, CM Punk, and Ace Steel. And we know it's all resulted in the titles being stripped. That's what we know for a fact, even if that is all we ever know. It does not reflect well on AEW, on Punk, quite possibly on the Bucks, on anyone involved. Ace Steel has had a hell of a week. <laughs> because eight days ago, I didn't know who Ace Steel was. Now I spoke about him twice in my podcast in two weeks. 
Ace Deal is suddenly right in the forefront of everyone's uh, everyone's consciousness. I mean, what do you do here? Let's let's try and separate this down into its constituent parts. Let's look at the storyline part of this. If you're Tony Khan, you have built this all-out pay-per-view around the trios championship, around CM Punk winning the title back, around MJF coming back and resuming his feud with CM Punk, which this time last year when Punk was debuting, we could not wait for. And in one four-minute shoot backstage and the subsequent fight, that has all gone up in smoke. Well, first of all, I think Tony Khan had to do what he's had to do from a business point of view. That you can't, if you let them get away with this because they're your biggest stars, then it's mob rule, anarchy rules, Nade, or you had to do what he's done and suspend them, and you have to take the titles off them. Then you go home and just bang your head against your desk for about twelve hours straight because what are they doing? How can your employees be so stupid? Would be as the boss's thought. Now. The, my biggest issue, if I'm if I'm the AW boss, if I'm Tony Khan, is with Punk because Jack, it was I can't get this cross off. It was completely unprompted. People were just asking about the match and about winning the title. It should have been your paint by numbers media scrum. Yes, I'm very happy to have the title back. Yes, it's the most prestigious title in wrestling. Yes, great match with Mox. Yes, I can't wait to get back on this run. Yes, my foot is healed. Okay, thank you very much. I'll see you see you next week, everyone. Paint by numbers, in, out, five minutes, go home to AJ Lee. But it's not what he's done. He, Why was he talking about Colt Cabana? Where did that come from? Colt Cabana's not even going to do the EW. And it, then it, he, got him, he got himself all riled up talking about Colt Cabana because that's what he does. He got himself angry. And then because he got himself angry, he went in on the books and the EVPs and poor Hangman Adam Page. You think when you watch it, he has been brought into that locker room as one of the senior men in that locker room. He is the type of person who, if this was anyone else, you'd be expecting Punk to step in and say, gents, this isn't how we conduct business. He is arguably the biggest name in that locker room with respect to Chris Jericho and others. He is arguably the biggest name of all the people to do it. I mean, I think that's why there was so much speculation at first about whether this was an angle because to see someone with his level of expertise and experience do this, you think, well, surely you can't be that daft. This must be part of a wider plan. I don't think it is. I mean, it's not. It's just not. I don't know if I'd have him back. Really? Well, think about the money they must be paying him. They have to be to bring him back to wrestling. And is he worth it right now? Because it's not like WWE are going to pick him up. He's not going to go to your biggest rivals. Triple H is not touching CM Punk with a 10-foot barge pole. Always think of Peter Kay. Who's got a barge pole? Who does have a barge pole? But anyway, you're not going, you're not going near CM Punk. The money you're paying him, the bad blood that'll be in that locker room now. And also, if he comes back in, you have to make this storyline. He has to go to the main event because this doesn't go anywhere but the main event, this storyline. What sort of precedent does that set? What sort of example does that set to, yeah, you can badmouth the company, badmouth people in it, be a terrible employee, but when you do come back, because you've got yourself the rigmarole and because you've got yourself the clamour and because everyone's talking about you, you'll go to the main event. Does that set a good example? Here's the flip side. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels made a bucket load of money, despite not liking each other and shooting on each other all the time. Edge and Matt Hardy were able to have a program 
despite a real life romantic situation gone badly wrong. Karen Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle were able to work a program for about two years in TNA, despite the fact that one left the other for the other. There is a precedent for, for making money out of this. If this is where Tony Khan wants to go, do we have to look and say, actually, Tony Khan, by sitting by CM Punk's side while all this is going on, has made himself complicit in it? Is there maybe a little bit of CM uh, of Tony Khan that's sitting there agreeing with what CM Punk's saying? Because that's the other thing I don't get. Why does Khan not say, guys, enough, bit heated, let's shut this down, gents, thank you, let, let's go? Why, why is he not shutting that down? No idea. Why is he sat there going, yeah, carry on? Is it because he's a wrestling fan and he wants to see where it goes? I don't know. And I don't dispute there is massive money to be made here. I don't dispute that for a second. I just think, is it the sort, you've got a lot of young wrestlers in that locker room. Is it the sort of precedent you want to set? The example? I don't know. Do I think they'll let Punk go? No. Do I think we'll come back and we'll get Punk versus Kenny Omega as a feud with the Bucks there? And things like, yeah, I think we will. Is it, where, is it what I'd do? Pro probably not. And you know what? I, I know what you're saying. If I was a betting man, I'd, I'd probably bet punks back. I wouldn't bet it by much. I really wouldn't bet it by much. I wouldn't be convinced. And I'll say this now. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think there's at least a chance that by the time this podcast drops on Friday morning, punk, punk could be gone. And let's just play that scenario out. If that is what's happened, because we can't rule it out at time recording. If they do let CM Punk go, what a year that has been and what a turnaround from him arriving at, it wasn't at All Out, I think I said All Out earlier, but, you know, that sort of time at, at the first dance, September to September, here he is and there he goes. It would be so fitting for CM Punk, wouldn't it? <laughs> a one-year flash in the pan, arguably the biggest, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history, two world title reigns, an injury, some five-star matches, some killer promos, and then ending scandal. I mean, it is just bizarre. that. And, and think of all, again, if he does go, and it is mad we're talking about in terms where this could be real, if he does go, think of all the money that has been left on the table. Yeah, we got a great MJF feud, but we, there was so much more there. We never saw Punk against Omega. We never saw Punk um, in a real heated feud with Darby Allen before what they first did. We never got that Punk, Danielson, Joe. We, we never got any of it. We were barely scratched the surface. Sorry, you said the name Samoa Joe, and I completely forgot he was in AEW. I know. It's, that's it's, just, that's hit me out of nowhere that we haven't seen or heard from him in about 12 years. But yes, so much money left on the table. Let's be fair about this. It takes two to tango. The Bucks and Kenny Omega are EVPs, corporate positions within a corporate entity. Regardless of what happened backstage, there doesn't seem to be any dispute that there was some sort of scrap. Now, who started it, who initiated it, when, what, we don't know. But if you're EVPs of a company, you cannot, you cannot be opening someone's door or kicking someone's door down, respond, you, you can't be doing, I mean, they are, they got some questions to answer as well. Yeah, it's incredibly unprofessional, but Punk knew exactly what he was doing. Punk is looking for that fight, and they've fallen for the bait. But can I honestly say I'd be a better person what they've done when a man's just sat there, run you down publicly on international television, 
for five minutes and your friends and everything you've built. Can I say I honestly wouldn't have taken Umbridge to that to a physical level? No, no, I can't. I don't think there are many men in that position, many people in that position who wouldn't have had that lead to a physical altercation. Now, I don't dispute they should have been better, the whole corporate positions in the company, but I can completely sympathise with why they ended up that way. Have we seen that Tony Khan, for the first time probably, maybe a little out of his depth. And I say that with the respect to look at a guy who from 2019 to 2022 has got a startup wrestling promotion going, got it national television, has grown it to a level, has managed to make success of pay-per-views, bring in some of the biggest names. But you and I have both been saying over the past few weeks, AEW just feels a little bit wobbly at the moment. And I think we saw that explode on Sunday night. Does he need some help? Yes, I think he does. I think if I was Tony Khan, I would be finding someone else to be my general manager per se, whether it's on screen, off screen, probably off screen. He needs, it's like um, a director of rugby needing some more coaches or a coaching someone or a really good coaching someone to handle their off field business. Tony Khan needs to take a step away from the wrestling, I think. I think he needs to handle the business. That's what he's good at. He's a great businessman. I would have some, I'd have Regal doing it. He's got Regal there. I've had a couple of people message me already saying, you've got William Regal there. Use him. Use that I, I don't know what Regal does off screen, but there's not a single wrestler there who isn't going to have the respect for Regal. He's got the authority. He's got the gravitas. I would be going to William Regal being like, I'm going to up your money. I need you, if you will, to do a lot of off screen stuff for me here because I'm struggling to control this roster. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. You've seen, and we all wondered when Cody Rhodes decided to walk out of the company he helped to found, why that happened. Now, we have no idea whether this is, is apples and eggs, apples and oranges, the two aren't related, but you would have to think that when Cody said it wasn't the company that I helped to found anymore, that situations like this may well be one of the reasons he walked. That's pure speculation, but I don't think it's unfair to throw that into the conversation. No, I don't at all, I think. I don't think it's a coincidence. This is, seems to have coincided with Cody's leaving. Yeah. Now let's look at what you do from a storyline point of view, because obviously Grand Slam's coming up in a couple of weeks. Suddenly AEW has to find another world champion again and new trios champions. We have the new trios champions. They're the death triangle. But I think Tony Khan has done about the best he can with a hand he's dealt putting together this tournament, not for an interim title. And John Moxley once again steps up and shows why arguably he should never have been taken out of the position of being the man. That promo on Dynamite, extraordinary. Just a world, world-class promo, one of the absolute best. And am I right in thinking from the bracket now that we're getting Danielson Mox next week? Yeah, I'm just thinking it through off the top of my head without it in front of me. I think uh, we will be, yeah. I think that's where That was the go. bottom. That's going to be lovely and brutal, isn't it? Yeah. I know that was what formed the Combat Club. I'm going to quite enjoy them being Combat Club members just fighting. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, actually, having said that, it may be Danielson against Jericho. I think it may be Danielson against oh. Jericho we're getting, which would mean it would be Mox against a winner of Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara, and then the winner of that would, would meet Grand Slam in New York. I think, to correct ourselves, that's where we're going. Either way, Tony Khan's got a load of great AEW stars and said, Chents, help me out of a hole here, and I think it's probably the best he can do. Yeah, and I love a tournament. I think a tournament gets you out of so many holes in wrestling. Whoever wins this belt now has to hold on to it for a little while because they yes, have hot potatoed they to, it. You know? yeah, 
That's that's what makes me think they're not going to give it to Mox. I think they're going to want a new champion. I could see this being the time of Danielson. I can see it being the time of Danielson. And the reason why is probably because of the man who, who would have thought that when MJF came back, we would get 15, 16 minutes into the podcast before we even spoke about him. But I think... MJF will cost Moxley the match based on their confrontation last night that MJF walked away from. Let's not forget the fact that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is back in AEW. And it was really well done. Mm. I think it was a bit of a stroke of genius because it's not something I would have ever thought of. To have to use Stokely Hathaway, who's brilliant at what he does, and his gang of merry men. Um, Now, are they now in the pocket of MJF? Is that MJF's crew now? Do we know? Well, I am told reliably by our friend and listener, Dan, that Stokely Hathaway and MJF have history on the independent scene, which is why that was the way the casino ladder match played out. Yet on Dynamite last night, we didn't see MJF meet with that gang. I Here's where I disagree with you. I think it was too complicated by half. It made the casino ladder match looks silly, I think, personally, to have this masked man come out and and win it and have it handed to him. And I think it was too complicated. I would personally have just rather have seen lights go off, lights come on at the end of the main event, and there is MJF, or there's the music hitting. I didn't need him to be masked. I, I mean, you could even do the promo, that sympathy for the devil, ROH stuff. I didn't need him to win the casino ladder match. That just, to me, is overcomplicated. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I'm a sucker yeah. for the Rolling Stones and Sympathy for the Devil. I thought it was really, really cool. Oh, yeah, and you know what? I, I love that. I'd have kept all of that. I just wouldn't have had the ladder match. But that's personal opinion. I can see why you liked it. Here's what I do think. Tony Khan has the deepest pockets probably of anyone we know because it is not cheap to get the Rolling Stones music licensed for something like that. He no, would no, have made no, no, big no. money. No, 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 no. My favourite, so my dad, I'm going to go on a proper tangent here. My dad is a huge Stones fan. We went to see him a few years ago. And my favourite story about the Stones is they got um, they got uh, contacted by a Russian oligarch uh, to do a, the, his son's 21st birthday. This is about 10, 15, 20 years ago. And Mick Jagger was like, I do not want to do it. And his manager was like, we've got to give him a price. So Mick Jagger went, right, okay. Pay for all our travel, put us up for a week in Moscow. Five million pounds, one for me, one for um, Keith, one for Charlie, one for Ronnie, and one for the staff. Five million will do it. The manager went back and the, the oligarch went, yep, fine. And they all went over, had a week in Moscow, all paid for, and took £5 million home. So, yeah, the, the stones aren't cheap. Unbelievable. I mean, we all would if we could. I think we've all got our price for a particular thing. I, I love the fact MJF is back. I, I still think people want to cheer him. I still think, and I, I think he did a tremendous job of turning that crowd in yes. Buffalo on Dynamite, and I think Moxley helped. I'm still not convinced that now isn't the time to pull the trigger on a babyface MJF because if you want to highlight your homegrown stars, now is the time. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I love that he's talking about the bidding war of 2024. Also, he's just name-dropping all WWE talent and people. It's yeah. amazing. And also, he's spent his time off getting in tremendous shape. Oh, that man looks shredded. Yeah, he's been doing good work. So, look, AEW, I mean, is this now the point where they sort of get on a bit of a more even keel? And and do you think in the next few weeks we see the release of CM Punk? Do you think that's where we're going? I honestly don't know because there is so much money to be made 
So much money to be made there by a feud that would be absolute dynamite. But is he worth the trouble and the distrust and the disharmony in your locker room? Only people on the inside can tell you. Because are the locker room leaders of Jericho, Danielson and Mox, are they going to be happy to see him back? Are they going to welcome him back? Or are they going to have issues? Like There will be a volcanic level of heat on that man when he comes back, if he does. Let's talk about what we really thought we would be talking about first on this week's podcast. Who would have thought the first WWE premium live event in the UK in 30 years would be after the break? But look, it's where we are. It's what we're up to. But we were there, Clash at the Castle in Cardiff, along with 64,000 plus WWE fans for a night that many of us will never forget. Before we get into the rights or wrongs of the booking, the matches itself, talk to me a little bit, Charlie, about just being in that building. So I, I will. I've always said the greatest atmosphere I've ever, ever encountered was I was at um, the 2005 Champions League semi-final for Liverpool versus Chelsea when Luis Garcia scored the ghost goal, and nothing has ever come close to touching it. There were moments on Saturday night that touched it and went beyond, screaming metalingus as Edge came in with 62,000 other people will be something I I genuinely won't forget till the moment I die. Like when I'm, when I am dying, that one of the moments I look back on and go, yeah, life was pretty good. Life was class. I'm glad I had this life on this earth. The, the near fall when um, the ref gets pulled out the ring in the main event, because that was it. Drew was winning that near fall, watching Tyson Fury knock out Austin Theory. And when you, you myself and Dan had all said, there's going to be a cash in here. So losing our minds was a cash because we thought we had it right. And then, Oh, we had it so wrong. And just, just being with 60,000 people who love this niche thing that I love, like, and that people look at you funny for loving. People are like, what? Like, you love wrestling, but isn't that for kids? And you know it's not real. And all these, just being there. And silly things like, I didn't get phone signal in the arena. I couldn't get phone signal. So genuinely for four hours, I was cut off from the outside world and just lost myself and immersed myself in wrestling and being with mates. And being with people who love the same things I had. And it genuinely, it genuinely gets a bit emotional, like what a special evening it was for me. It was just brilliant. And like we were stuck in the car park for two and a half hours after getting out, which normally would do my head and I'd be raging. Couldn't have cared less. I got home. I didn't get to bed till half three. I was up at half six for work the next day. I would have done an all-nighter. There's nothing that could have... There is nothing you can tell me that if I had my time again would stop me going to it. It was just, it was just amazing. It was extraordinary. And what I loved is not only the stadium, but, and I was trying to explain to Dan, who came with us, who had never done anything of this scale, any WWE event. It was your first WWE event as well. Yeah. But you, you've done wrestling previously. Dan hasn't done anything. And I was saying, you will begin to see the people who are going the same way you are, probably about a mile out. And then you will feel you are with your tribe. And whether you were kids, whether you were grown men, whether you were, you know, I saw people in their 60s and 70s there. It was a real demonstration of what wrestling can be. And a reminder to all of us that we should never be ashamed of loving wrestling as much as it can be embarrassing and drive us nuts. And it can be infuriating when you are with wrestling fans on a night like that. There's nothing better. My favourite moment of the, light of the night was the left of us. There was three lads from Manchester who I was chatting to. I was on the left of our three, so I was chatting to them a bit. And one of them on one of the Drew near falls, he was just screaming. He was like, no! 
I'm a 35 year old man and it's doing this to me. As he was like on his knees, there's a head, a hands on his head. He's like, what is this? Just going mad. Well, you and I and, uh, and Dan, we're all there. We're all too cool for school. We all read all the websites. We all do all of that. And then in that main event, there we were standing hands on head. So let's get into the actual show itself. You will all know the results by now. Let's begin to pick apart the main event. Drew McIntyre came oh so close, but oh so far. Roman Reigns held on to the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. I personally was fine with it. I know a lot of people felt very deflated by that moment. What's your take? Now we've had a little bit of separation from the event itself. In the moment, so I'm anyone listening to this knows what a Roman fan I am. In the moment, with 62,000 people, I wanted Drew to win. We all did. So as it happened, and when Socolo pulled that ref out the ring, I was not a happy bunny. I wasn't as unhappy a bunny as some people in that arena because some people... Oh, they were angry. But within about five minutes, like by the time we left the arena, like while Tyson Fury was doing his weird singing stuff, that was odd. Yeah. I turned to you and I said, I don't hate that. And by the time we were in the car, I was like, I actually quite like that as an ending because it keeps Roman atop the mountain, which I th- I do think is the right course. Still, I think if that, if that pay-per-view premium live event isn't in the uk is drew the right man to do it probably not at the moment but because it was in the uk it did seem like the right moment the right man the right moment but i didn't so it keeps roman atop the mountain which i liked it brings socolo in who yes not everyone knows who he is but as soon as he takes that hood down you know he's part of the anawaii family you, you, you just know, don't you, by his look, yeah. without being stereotypical or any, any racial um, well, 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 stereotyping. He's, he's, he looks, he's literally part of the family. He's a, there is he's a, a Pacific Islander, reasons. and then very quickly you find out he's, he's actually a blood relative. It was on commentary straight away. You hear Michael Cole shout. We obviously didn't, but everyone in that arena knows who he is. But everyone watching around the world, that's the Uso's younger brother. So boom, straight away you know who he is. And what a way to bring him in. Straight away he's in the main event, and everyone's, everyone's tuning into SmackDown Friday night to see him. So I think it brings him in, in brings him in in a great way, and Drew didn't lose anything. Drew is more over now because of that. Like you said, there's going over and getting over. Roman went over, Drew got over on Saturday night. I look at it and I I can see it both ways. This is a toss of a coin for me, and I I still think that Drew could plausibly have won. And if WWE is in the business of making memories and making moments, that would have been the Bulldog at SummerSlam 92 times 100. You wouldn't get, you won't get, in my opinion, a bigger pop than you would have got then. However, I completely understand why WWE didn't do it. And I think some of the issues I've had with some of the opinions on it, and look, it's opinions. You're entitled to your opinion. You're absolutely entitled to believe what you want is where some folks have have implied it's a failure of WWE rather than just a different approach. Now, we have seen WWE failures. It was a failure when Batista won that Royal Rumble, uh, when everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to win it. It, It's been a failure, some of the booking of Roman Reigns. We have had that moment where you were deflated because they have done something so atrociously wrong that you can't believe they're insulting your intelligence. 
this to me felt like the end of one of those attitude era pay-per-views when you're desperate for Austin to win the title and Vince McMahon screwed him at the last moment and you go off air thinking, I can't believe they've got me again, but I want to see what happens next. I think maybe because WWE fans have been jaded for such a long time, I'm one of them, that it was a little bit of the former creeping in where I think actually, do you know what? Storyline wise, might not be what I'd have done, but I can't hate it. I can't hate on it. It's fine. And what I loved was there were so many balls in play. There was Drew going over clean. There was the Sammy and KO stuff. There was the Usos. There was a cash-in. There was carrying cross at ringside. And it was none of them. Yeah. It was something else. And it was something else that made sense. Because why wouldn't he bring in his other little cousin? Why wouldn't he? And what we saw is those NXT touches that we all loved being bought to premium live events. We had Bret Hart at ringside and honoring Johnny Saint and other UK legends. We had that brilliant moment before Drew came out where they played his old music. You had Karrion Cross spotlighted at ringside. It just felt like Triple H is saying, you know those best bits of NXT you liked? Let's take that, but whack it in a 60,000-seater stadium and see what happens. And yes, it helped that the UK fans did ourselves proud. We were rabid. We did our part. But WWE did their part as well. Clocked in at just under three hours, I think. About six uh, matches on the card. Oh, it was the perfect length. I wasn't tired at any point. You give me two more matches and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to sit down for some. Yeah. Three and a bit hours, six good matches, three great matches, I thought. Uh, but not a bad match on the card. Yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. It, it was sensational. And, and we tried to check our own uh, bias because obviously we were biased. We were there. And when we were walking out, we were looking at what folks were saying on the various wrestling websites. And, and everyone to a person was saying the same, which is this has to be a regular thing. Let's pick up more on some of the criticism of this. If not Drew, then who? I have heard a school of thought that are we are now at the point with Roman Reigns' title reign where he gains nothing by holding onto the belt for a month, two months, three months more. And, and really now is the time to pull the trigger on someone. Yeah, I can see that. Like, What more is there for Roman to do? He's not going to go and break Bruno Sammartino's nine-year record, is he? I mean, is he? That would be know. something. When yeah. do we start talking about that? Five years in? Um, no, I do I do see that school of thought. And the, the, the pressure they've built on themselves now is whoever it is, whenever it is, has to be good. Because... You've passed a great moment there. You've passed up uh, a star, a plus, ten out of ten moments there, and pop. You've passed up on that opportunity, and it won't it won't come round again. So whatever you do has to be better than that moment. Do you know what to put it in rugby terms? I, I think, you know, th this is the opportunity where you've got the opportunity for a drop goal and, and it's there and you could win the game with it, but you think, now nah, we'll push for a try. Okay. And that's sometimes that is a decision you have to make. But if your try doesn't go over, if the other team turn you over, you're going to look back and think, I wish we took that drop goal. I hope WWE in six months, nine months, whenever it is, doesn't look back and go, we missed that chance. We had everything in position organically. Now that said, we could be sitting here after night two of WrestleMania where Sami Zayn is the new WWE Universal Undisputed Champion and saying, I'm so glad they waited, or Cody or whoever. I appreciate our bias being there in that crowd, but I think it's more than that. I think 
credit as well to WWE for doing such a good job of building Drew McIntyre up to be that credible because I'm not sure Vince would have done it. And you know what? Right now, I trust this WWE mm. because, well, we found out this, this week Triple H was promoted to the job we all thought he was already doing. Yes. Uh, he's now got all the roles we thought he was doing, we presumed he was doing. But we talk about NXT all the time. Yeah, Triple H was in charge of that and it was brilliant. But you think about the greatest, arguably the greatest moment in WrestleMania history, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Yeah. Triple H was right in the middle of that. Right in the middle. You look at the Orton turn on Brian Daniel. Uh, Brian Daniel, that's never been his name. Daniel Bryan. Triple H is right into that. Triple H knows how to build story to get great moments. He just has his finger on the pulse and seems to just get it. So I trust this WWE because since Vince has left, I'm not sure they've missed a step. No. And I think it's been very organic. I don't think that he's thrown the baby out with the bathwater. He's not said everything that went before is a bust. You were not sold on theory at the start. I think you are now. I think Triple H has had some influence in that. And credit to Vince as well for getting to that point. The question is, who's next for Roman Reigns? And one of the answers could be the former WWE Universal Champion who turned up out of nowhere on Monday Night Raw, the monster amongst men, Braun Strowman, is back in WWE. Yep, and you know what? Cool. Like, not one I was clamoring for, but I actually think when Braun was handled right, he's great fun to watch. He's brilliant. There is, There will always, always, always be room for the circus attractions. And by that, I mean the freaks not in a bad way who can do things no one else can do. And when they had that that year of Braun and Roman, because by the way, Braun and Roman work sensationally together. We yeah. know that. When Braun's flipping ambulances and stuff, which is a bit pokey, but actually is amazing. And there's always room for that, for the, oh my God, look how big he is. Oh my God, look how strong he is. Imagine being able to do that. I could get behind a Braun and Roman feud because I know it works. And now, and let me go on record. I do not think Braun Strowman is the man to beat Roman Reigns. So do you bring him back to lose straight away? That's a question. But give me that feud, I'm up for it. And also, we saw Triple H book in NXT, you know, title reigns where challenges were built up and they didn't win. Quite often, you'd see someone built up to the level of the NXT title in a fairly short order. They didn't win, and that's just the way it went. I think it's going to be fantastic to watch. Just taking ourselves back to Clash, that edge moment was spectacular. I thought Riddle and Rollins had a tremendous match. And we finally saw Dominic Mysterio finally pull the trigger on poor old Edge and his pappy as well. He's gone to the dark side. I think it was really smart to put that in that stadium because I'm not convinced in another crowd anyone else would have reacted in the same way, but it made him seem like a megastar that turn. Yeah, the so I said earlier, Edge's entrance is something I remember forever. Like It was just incredible. It was a decent match, but it was all about the turn, wasn't it? And yeah, pulled the trigger on it. Didn't need him to join the Judgment Day on Monday. Could have seen him just being his own thing, but that's the way we've gone and that's fine. Really interesting how that plays out. Riddle and Rollins, I want more of. Yeah, I need more of that. That was sensational and that needs to build to something like a Hell in a Cell match because they hate each other. I need more of that. Um, we refuse in the UK to let Bailey be a heel. We will not have it. <laughs> We just will not have it. It's like when the Americans say, you spell colour without a U, and we go, nope, nope. not having that. There Baby's is something not a heel. Nope, she's not a heel. You don't do that. that. 
no chance. Um, so, yeah, the 6-1 tag was a good start tonight. I didn't see Liv Morgan beating Shayna Baszler, but they had a decent match. I'm watching it back. It was actually, that was probably the one match the crowd was a little bit quieter for. It was in a tough spot because it came after my match of the night. Yeah. Oh, good Lord, gentlemen. Gunther and Sheamus, you went to war. It was, we were in the top deck, sort of towards the front, but we were, I would suggest, I don't know, at least 30 rows back, if not more, a load high, great seats, great views, but you could hear every chop. You could see the welts on Seamus's body. Do you know what I loved? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they ran off the ropes once. They just nope. had a fight and it was brutal. And I'm so, so glad that Seamus got his flowers in the UK. That Because again, going over, getting over, has Seamus ever seemed like a bigger star than when he got that standing ovation at the end? No, and he seemed quite emotional, actually, in the ring. I think that meant a lot to him. So I'm very, very pleased. I saw that he was back in Ireland drinking Guinness after, which I'm very happy to see. Um, we got Fabian Archer back. Won't lie, forgotten his new name. Giovanni something. Giovanni Vinci, I think. Something like that. But that's nice, because I don't understand why we didn't just bring all Imperium up. That's always confused me. Where did poor Fabian go? What confused me is I heard someone behind, and I, I swear at first they said, it's Gianluca Viali. <laughs> I thought, we're in the UK. Why not bring in a Chelsea legend? Something yes. like that. And Oh, no, it's not him. No, it's not a Chelsea legend. Ah, Gianfranco Zola's joined us. <laughs> um, then what else in that match? It was, just, it was just brutal. It was just absolute brutality. You see... Sorry, as Otto slammed into the table, so I go all fuzzy. Uh, you see the absolute welts on Seamus the next day. He just says, no, just... My favourite moment in the whole thing was when the four henchmen just started going berserk at the start and got kicked out. Yeah. And Seamus and Gunther didn't move a muscle. Like mafia bosses staring at each other, knowing that their mob are going at it. And they'll, they'll sort it out, but the two bosses were having the final fight. And it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. And Gunther is on one of the best rises in WWE. Every think- time he gets in the ring... I know he's got an undefeated streak now and they're they're dangerous beasts. But every time he gets in the ring, his stock just rises. I think what's really showing how good WWE is at the moment is I can sit here and say, if all the Judgment Day does is get Rhea Ripley over, away from the title picture, okay, I'll buy into it. Because Rhea Ripley being built up as the leader of the Judgment Day, away from the title picture. Is anyone going to say you don't want to see Rhea against Bianca Belair eventually at some point? I think it's fantastic. And what I loved, we didn't get Bray Wyatt. We didn't get a cash-in. We didn't get a single British person on the card or Irish person on the card win. We didn't get a title change. And yet it was still one of the best nights of wrestling. Objectively, not just us in the crowd saying it, but objectively, uh, all the websites saying that WWE has put on in a long time. Between... No one from the UK winning at Clash. And then NXT UK getting battered at Worlds Collide. We've had a rough weekend in a lot of ways. We, we, we've sort of, we've sort of uh, been shown the rough end of what WWE thinks of Europe, but they'll be back. They have to be back, which leads us on nicely uh, to everyone's favourite part of the show. We're sending something from everyday life back to developmental. We hate, we're giving something the push. I'll go first this week. We'll name no names to keep ourselves out of trouble, but I'm sending you back to developmental. If you ever- Me? You're sending no, no. me? You said I'm sending you back to developmental. Jesus. It, won't, it definitely won't be you. 
if you think it's a good idea to put on a t-shirt the name of someone who has killed their wife and child, wear it out of the house, display it on television in front of a crowd of 64,000, and at no point do you have the conscience, the ethics, the moral integrity, the simple humanity to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what on earth am I doing? You do not deserve to go to wrestling events. And some of your mates need to have a word with you and say, what the hell are you thinking? Now, we won't talk about specifics. Everyone watching this will know we need to be slightly careful legally, I'm sure. Although I think it's fair comment to say that if you are wearing a T-shirt saying better dad than Chris Benoit in 2022, you need to give your head a serious, serious wobble. That was ludicrous. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that that won't get me in trouble with you for swearing. So um, just, yeah, there, there are that, no who, words. Who's that for? Do, do you feel a bigger man for doing it? Do you, do you feel better for doing it? I mean, unbelievable. Earning the push, good gardeners. We have a terrific gardener at the moment. We're having our garden done. We've got a guy, and he may be the most efficient gardener I have ever, ever had. Now, to be clear... We've not got a gardener coming in once a week. We're not made of money. We got a guy who's coming in to sort of remodel the garden a little bit. It was all weeds and topsoil. He drew a little sketch saying, this is what I'm going to do. And we said, okay. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll drop some stuff around. If I get some time, I might make a start on it. I come back and the garden's almost done. He is the most efficient guy. He doesn't need tea. He doesn't need coffee. He doesn't need to use our loo. He literally puts his headphones in and he goes and he does it. And you're a big fan of folks who are efficient with their work. This guy, absolute machine. So efficient, good laborers, gardeners, don't get enough respect, worth their weight in gold. Our one is called Mitch, he is absolutely tremendous. I'm giving him the push. Big up, Mitch. Don't trust him though, because he doesn't drink tea or coffee. So that's strange. He's also, because we're out working and we're like, oh, we can't make you tea or coffee. We're not here. It's like, fine. Fine, <laughs> just, just get out of my way. Get on with it. A little bit disappointed because I know you've had some raised flower beds built that you didn't come to your mate, Charlie. Because you've seen the ones, because Jack came to my house at the weekend. You've yeah. seen the ones in my garden now. And are they better than Mitch's? No. Would they have been made with more love than Mitch's? Yes. I was tempted to send myself back to developmental because I was quite happy to come and get you from where you live. Because my lack of geography knowledge was basically, I thought you were about 20 minutes from Cardiff. Honestly, this man, I said to him, Jack, don't come and pick me up. Don't come and pick me up. It's going to add a lot of time to your day. I'll meet you in Cardiff. No, 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 no. I'll come and pick you up. It's nothing. Jack, it really isn't. Sent in the map. Jack, it's not nothing. No, it's just up the road. The road is the M5. Jack <laughs> went a good two hours out of his way to pick me up and then was like, I'll take you back. Mm. So I was like, no, Jack, you won't get back to your hotel till five in the morning. My girlfriend's very kind of said she'll come and pick me up from your hotel. It was so from his hotel to my house was 50 minutes. The man added an hour and 40 minutes to his journey just to pick me up when I said he didn't need to. And I'd do it again. I was quite happy to do it. I was quite content. Anyway, that's two for me. Go on. What are yours? Uh, well, earning the push this week, as well as you for being the kindest man in the world, uh, is the smell when you open a new bag of coffee. I did it this morning. I had something else and I did it this morning. I literally opened a fresh bag of uh, ground beans. Right. And it just, oh, it's the greatest smell in the world, I think. I genuinely believe it is the most, in the morning, it was six o'clock this morning, fresh bag of coffee beans, big, oh, oh, I could have fought Roman Reigns there and then I would have won the Universal title. I was that amped up, just felt good. 
better than freshly cut grass? For me, yes. Do you know what I can tell you about freshly cut grass? This will change your view in it. The smell you get is the smell of the chemicals the grass releases to let other plants know it's been injured. So when you smell wow. that, that freshly cut grass smell, you oh, that smells That's lovely. That's the ref throwing up the X. That's the actually world. the grass going, Jesus, what the hell's happened to us? This hurts oh, a lot. Poor grass. I know. Uh, so anyway. that's earn the push from me. And then back to that mental. Yep. Happened to me yesterday is the moment that you get to the till, having done the big shop, and you realise you've left your bags at home. Oh. Oh, Charlie, you're so prepared. How has this happened? Because I, normally I walk, this is, this, is, this is ridiculous, by the way. I do the big shop on a Wednesday. The fact that that is a routine I have by itself is ridiculous. I understand that. Normally, I walk to the gym, I walk back, I get in the car, and I go. But the bags I pick up when I come in. I come in, I say hi, I have a, some water, and I get in the car, and I go. Wow, my life is wild. Yesterday, I was short on time. So I drove to the gym and I carried on to the shops. Yeah. But I didn't take my shopping bags into the car with me because I was going to the gym. And I never just go, I never drive to the gym. So why? So it just threw me. And so what did you do? You had to buy? I had to buy two. And I know that will have killed you. Well, it upset me for the environmental side of it. Yeah. Also, it was 60p. What type of bag are you getting for 60p? Well, no, it was two 30p bags, and I'm not going to name the shop because you'll tell me off for legal. But all I'm going to say is every little helps. Okay. okay. Their bags for life are just plastic bags that they call bags for life. They're not like the big ones. They're just plastic bags. Don't tell me you're a bag for life. And no, charge they're me 30 not plastic bags. They're thicker than your usual plastic bag. They've got good handles. But they're the same size as a plastic bag. I can get no more in them than a normal plastic bag. But they'll last longer. they got better tensile strength. Not 30p's worth. Unbelievable. Well, look, it's, it's your shout. We never question it. We will let you send these carrier bags back to developmental. It's not the bags. It's not the bags. It's the moment you realise you've forgotten okay. your own bags. I feel like the bags are just a moment or two away from joining them. There. They might be. They might be. Uh, look, we won't even do some fancy booking this week. We'll come up with another topic next week, uh, providing CM Punk hasn't been fired or the Young Bucks haven't been fired or wrestling hasn't imploded in on itself because it's been an absolute bonkers time. Jack, before we go, can I ask yeah. a question for our listeners? Of course. This is a quick one. I wasn't around for the Monday Night Wars. I was too young or wasn't born. I'm too young. Were the Monday Night Wars as mental as wrestling is at the moment? For people who live through them, please get in touch and tweet me like, this is the most mental I've known wrestling. Just bonkers. Was the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars where WCW was genuinely better than WWE, was it as bonkers as this? Do you know what? I always end on a question for you, but we'll end on that question for listeners because that is the perfect one. Uh, let us know for next week. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Is this the craziest time in wrestling since the Monday Night Wars? Is this topping the Monday Night Wars? I wonder whether you can tell us. While you ponder that, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening today. If you love wrestling and love what we do, a nice comment on Twitter never hurts and tell mates about what we do as well. We love getting more and more of you along each and every week. For now though, on behalf of Charlie and myself, we are out of time. We'll see you next time when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye-bye.